Good morning. We are still in the month of July, really, I know, right? It feels like it's been March to July, <laughs> but we are still in the month of July, and the theme for the month is Untethered Spirituality, and today's talk is about being free of duality. And, um, you know, our spiritual practice, the science of mind and spirit, Ernest Holmes said that, you know, that we are, at that time, he said we are the first uh, faith philosophy to be perfectly, totally free from dogma, duality, and superstition. And so we, the first week, I think I talked about feeling free, which is really the freedom within our faith tradition, which is open at the top. Ernest Holmes said open at the top. And, and then uh, last week, I talked about our belief system in that we are free from dogma, the idea that there is a book of rules, you know, and that uh, there are limits in traditional religions and in organizations, these are limits that are imposed upon you in order for you to be part of the group and that we are free from dogma as well. You know, that, that idea that, oh, you must do this or you must not do that, you know, in order to be a part. So Ernest Holmes said, we are free from that. We are free of dogma. We're free of duality. We're free of superstition. So today we're talking about this idea of duality. So let's talk about duality. You know, we see the evidence of duality around us in the physical world all the time. We see day and night. We see light and dark. We see good and evil. We see strong and weak. We see abundance and lack, joy and sorrow. I could go on and on. So we see the appearance of duality all the time right? Um, either opposites or opposing forces, right? And in religion, it can be God and the devil, you know, fighting, fighting for all eternity for the soul of humanity. But, <laughs> but don't, be, don't be taken in by that. Don't be taken in by the appearance of duality. Don't be lured into the dark side. Don't go to the dark side. Yes, I know. I'm making a Star Wars reference. Absolutely. Well, you know the story that went on around George Lucas years and years ago, back when Star Wars first came out, there was a picture of him in the newspaper um, in his library, and he posed in the, in the uh, photograph, and it went out all over the place. And one of the ministers of religious science happened to see in the bookshelf behind George Lucas was the book, The Science of Mind textbook. And, and when he was fortunate enough to see him in a restaurant one time, he asked him, you know, that book on your shelf in your study uh, is the Science of Mind textbook, and, you know, have you ever read it? And, and George Lucas looked at him and said, yeah, where do you think I got the idea for the force? <laughs> so, may the force be with you. But, you know, now the Star Wars saga is all about the triumph of good over evil. It's Joseph Campbell's, you know, the, the traditional, the hero's journey, right? With Luke Skywalker and all that stuff. But that is exactly the kind of duality that I'm referring to, right? This idea that there are opposing forces, that there is good and evil, you know, battling each other for the, for the, you know, to save or to destroy mankind. And here's what Ernest Holmes had to say. In the Science of Mind textbook, he said, the only reason man is limited is that he has not allowed the divine within him to more completely express. Man's divine individuality compels infinity to appear in his experience as duality because he believes in duality. See how that works? 
So when we discuss the qualities of God, all of those divine attributes that we assign to the creator of everything, right, whether it's God or the beloved or higher power or however you want to explain it, right, we have these qualities that we assign to this first cause. We call it the qualities, we refer to them as the qualities to which there are no opposites, Right? In spirit, in God, these are qualities to which there are no opposites. No opposites. We need to get that. No opposites. Right? Think about it. Because all around in the world, we take in through our eyes, you know, this idea, the appearance, right? The illusion of duality. Right? What is that old expression? Who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes? <laughs> well, it is the appearance of duality. It is not the truth of duality. Yes, for all intent and purposes, we see opposites in the physical world. We operate in the physical world as if it were truth. When in fact, well, when in fact, it's only a fact. Right? And what do we know about facts? We know they change all the time. What we believe to be true changes all the time. As we evolve, as we change, right, and as we discover the truth with a capital T in our lives, those facts must change. As we discover the truth of life, we evolve and we embrace new ideas about this thing called life. Remember, years ago, we actually thought Apollo drove his flaming chariot across the sky, right? Some god, some sun god. And that was the sun. Years ago, we thought Demeter's daughter, Persephone, was kidnapped by Hades to the underworld. And six months out of the year, when she was down there, we had fallen winter. And then when she came up to, to visit her mother above ground, for half the year, we had spring and summer. That's how, that's how seasons were explained to us. It was a series of gods, and we believed that as well. At one point, we believed the earth was flat. And if we sailed too far, we'd fall off the edge. At one time, we believed the earth was the center of the universe, and everything revolved around us. We believed all sorts of things that were not true. And when we discover a new truth to be known, then we embrace it and then we evolve. Duality is one of those false beliefs, but it is stubbornly clinging to the human mind. And Ernest Holmes said this, he said, the belief in duality supposes that an evil is as equal to a good. That suppositional devil divides, with good, the kingdom of truth. Such things cannot be. Remember the teaching of Moses, God is one. If, on the other, we accept that evil has a power equal to good, then we must fall into the ditch of our own confusion. And so this is where we're going with this, right? There is only one. There cannot be duality. There cannot be duality. There can only be one, only one. Core concept one, there is only God. So, so allow me to go back for a moment to those qualities of God that we talked about, right? They are qualities to which there are no opposites. That's what we say. Qualities to which there are no opposites. So I say abundance and you say, but wait, of course there is lack. Hmm. Okay, that's not an illusion. That's real. I've seen it. It exists. 
And when I say love, you say, well, of course, but there is hate. It exists. I've seen it, right? And when I say order, you say, but wait, there is chaos. It exists. I've seen it. Again, who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes, right? The truth is there is only one. There is only one. There is only God. Those qualities of God, of spirit, what, in whatever form it chooses to show up, it is still only God. You know, there is still only the one. Everything that we call a quality of God exists. All of those qualities exist. None of their opposites exist. But all of those qualities exist on a continuum. And there is a, there's a perfect example of that. There's an old story that flies around the internet every once in a while about Albert Einstein in school. Not about Albert Einstein in school. It never was attributed to him. I don't know how it got to be a story about him because it's not. Um, it's entirely made up. However, the truth of the story is truth. And it's an old folksy story, makes the rounds on the internet. It's it, like I said, it's entirely made up, but the story itself is true, right? And it tells an absolute truth. There is only light, there is no dark. He has a conversation with, you know, allegedly his, his professor. And he said, you know, we can measure light. We can measure light down to one photon, but there is no dark scale. We cannot measure amounts of dark. Dark does not exist. There is only light in as much or as little as it shows up. Down to one photon we can measure light, but we cannot measure dark. It is simply the absence of light. So there is a scale. There is a light scale. We can measure light. We cannot measure dark. When scientists take measurements, they measure amounts of light. But there is no dark scale. It does not exist. It does not exist. There is only light on a continuum. It is not Dark is not a thing in and of itself. It is merely the absence of light. The same is true for uh, heat. Actually, when you think about it, you know, just like there is only light from, from almost nothing to, to pure light, and it exists on a sliding scale, a continuum, the same is true of heat. When we measure something, when we take something's temperature, we are taking a, a, um, a measurement of the amount of heat coming off of a body, whatever body it is. It could be the body of a planet. It could be a human body. It could be, uh, you know, the body of a, of a rock, a mineral. Whatever it is that we're taking the measurement of temperature of, we are taking a measurement of the heat coming off of that body. Hot and cold. Hot and cold, apparent dualities. But, they, but cold doesn't exist. You cannot measure cold. There is no cold scale. There is only the amount of heat radiating off of a body. Even absolute zero, which I, is, is a minus 460 degrees Fahrenheit, right? The, the temperature at which they claim atoms will cease to move, almost. <laughs> there is still a measurement of heat coming off of that body, minus 460 degrees Fahrenheit, but it's still a measurement of heat radiating off of a body. There is only one thing. There is only heat. It's the only thing we can measure. There is no cold scale. We can go from absolute zero all the way to hotter than hell. There's no hell. But we're still only measuring the amount of heat. 
And so the same is true for these qualities of God. They exist on that same continuum. When we say abundance is a quality of God, but we look all around us and say, yeah, but wait, there's lack here, there's lack there. Yes, it is, but it's only abundance. Abundance on a continuum. The least amount of abundance, we call it lack, but it's still only one thing. Either we have a lot or a little joy, a lot or a little freedom, a lot or a little abundance, a lot or a little beauty. All the way down the line, all of those qualities of God, they exist on a continuum. And we get to express as much or as little of them as we choose because we have free will, right? We have come here. Spirit has sought to incarnate itself as us, but we are left alone to discover our own divinity. And so we accept as much of any of these qualities as we desire, as we embrace, as we embody, as we demonstrate. We are free within this structure, within this thing called life, to choose. To choose what we will experience. And if we don't like it, we're free to choose again. And we're free to choose again. And we're free to choose again. And we are free to choose again. And you know what? This is where this belief in duality comes in again, right? This is where the belief in duality gets in the way again. Because even if we can get over this idea that the qualities have no opposites, we can kind of, you know, grasp this continuum of there's only one thing. Um, we see our situation, right? Maybe we're struggling to pay the bills. Let's use abundance as an example, right? We can do with a greater expression of prosperity in and through and around our lives. And we look around and we see others with more and we think to ourselves, I can demonstrate that as well. Or we think to ourselves, hey, look at that guy over there. Why does he have so much and I don't? What's wrong with this picture? And we have fallen into the trap of duality once again. The very thought that there is an us and a them or a he and a me, that very thought that there is some aspect of God that's greater or lesser than some aspect of God. It's ridiculous. Again, it is the illusion of duality. It is the absolute separation. You know, then, then oneness goes right out the window, right? When we think about others, when we think about this whole idea of there even being an other, and an other that God can bestow more on than me. That whole idea is an illusion. It is the illusion of separation. Again, it goes back to duality. The sense of duality gets right in our vision and it blurs our sight of oneness. It blurs the idea of oneness because we look out and we see something that we think is, not, is apart from us that has more than we do. So, so we have to work our way through this illusion of separation. If principle works over there, for that guy, principle works right here in my life as well. Spirit does not play favorites. Spirit responds to all alike. I remember uh, several years ago, Terry McBride, I don't know if you remembered him, he was a guest speaker we've had several times. Love, love, love his story and, and uh, his way of telling it. And Terry McBride always says that spirit is forever supporting us, right? Spirit is forever saying yes to us. And he, the way he described it was, spirit says, you pick the game, I will play with you there. You pick the game, I will play with you there. You want to play the abundance game? I'm right there with you, right? Spirit is right in the midst. You want to play lack? 
I'll play lack with you. And spirit is right there within, right there alongside of you. Spirit does not control the game. Spirit does not tell you what you choose, right? Spirit is forever waiting for that, you know, for that decision on your part. But you're the one who chooses the game. This is where free will is. And spirit is right there alongside of you playing whatever game it is you have chosen. And the thing is, if you don't like the game you're playing, you get to choose again. You get to choose again. So there is no duality in the qualities of God. There is only a continuum. There is no duality among us. We are all simply spirit inhabiting form. We all have the same qualities within us. Our fellow humans are all out picturings of the one. We are all, you know, we can all access those same qualities in whatever amounts we choose. There is no me and her or me and him. So that takes us to the last vestige of the illusion of duality, God and I. God and I. And that we seem to hang on to this illusion of duality there. When we decide on enlarging, say, our experience of abundance, right? We work through the illusion of the duality of abundance and lack. It doesn't exist. Then we declare what is ours, not comparing or competing with another because there are no others. There is only spirit. Then we arrive at speaking our word. To whom? We're speaking our word to whom, right? To a God out there somewhere? Listening in on our prayers, eavesdropping. <laughs> that is the last bit of duality that we must overcome. There is no God out there listening in or not listening as the case may be or responding to us or not responding to us or rewarding us or not rewarding us. It cannot be. It cannot be. The innermost God and the outermost God are one God. There is nothing outside of yourself except more God right? The, the eternal one, that energy which has created the universe and created you is the same energy that lives inside of you. The very power that we are addressing in prayer, we are using to pray with. The very energy, the innermost God and the outermost God are one God. The power we are speaking is the same power we are speaking with. Okay, should I say that again? The same power we are speaking to is the exact same power we are speaking with. So when we declare and affirm our good as already done, it's already done. And then what holds it up? What holds it up, right? Our belief in duality. Our belief that we're speaking to some other thing, to some other power that is not us, right? We, we, our belief that we're appealing to something, some energy that then is going to bestow upon us, right, our, our declaration. That false belief that somehow our words and God's power are two different things is the definition of duality itself, right? But it is one. It is one energy. It is one energy energy. The very energy of our word is the energy of demonstration. 
It is, there is no separation. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> here's, okay, here's how I know it's true. Here's how I know this is true. Because when we pray, when we do affirmative prayer, we pray for some change in the condition of our lives, and we wait upon it, and it does not happen. And we go to doubt. And we go, we go back to prayer, right? And it does not happen. Our, our change in conditions does not occur. And, and we know our thought of denial. We know that we've had thought of fear. We know we've had a thought of doubt. And it keeps the manifestation from occurring. It keeps the demonstration from occurring because our mind is somewhere in our mind, right? We have doubt. We have fear. Um, and how, how can it be possible that something as simple as a thought in our head can stop a power that has created the universe and continues to create. How can that be? How can something as small as a thought in our own head stop the power and presence that created the entire universe? How can that be? The only way it can be is that our thought is the same energy as the energy of the demonstration itself. It is one in the same. Our thought is using the same power, the same presence, the same energy. It is the only way that our thought in our head, contrary to what we've declared, can stop or start creation from expressing in our individual lives. Our thoughts are the very same power of creation. It is the only way a thought can stop a power of creation from manifesting in our lives. It must be equal to the power of manifestation, which means they are one and the same. The energy of our thoughts, the energy of our prayers, the energy of manifestation, the energy of spirit, it is all one. It is all the same. And we have to own that. We have to own that. We have to stop being those spiritual beggars that Charles Fillmore said that we are. Please, God, could you do, do me a favor and do this and do that? We must start declaring, owning the energy. It's one energy. It is one, one, one. There is only one. Ernest Holmes said this in The Science of Mind. He said, to manifest, to manifest means to show forth or to make evident. Everything we see, plants, animals, man, every visible thing is a manifestation of God, differing only in degree. And every manifestation contains, in essence, the whole. As one drop of ocean water is perfect, in essence, as the entire ocean. We are not all of God, of course, but the reality within us is God. And as we make conscious use of the law, planting an idea in mind and watching it burst forth in form into objectivity, we are producing the manifestation. We are producing the manifestation. We're, we're producing it. It must be that way. There can be no duality. There can be no separation. There cannot be God and us. It is only spirit and form. There can be no duality in any way. There is only one. There is only God. Core concept one, God is all there is. There is only energy in all forms. We are that. God is that. 
everything is that. The universe is that. We absolutely are one. And all of the power and all of the presence flows through us. We align with it. We use it. We demonstrate it. We are it. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much.